When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. AM The Zone. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yeah, another cloudy day on the way for this finally Friday. Looks like 31s are expected high, but like I said, a lot of clouds keeping us overcast all day long. How you doing, everybody? Farm Director Pam Youngke, glad to be along with you. So for tomorrow, sunshine, 23. Sunday, bouncing up to, believe it or not, 51 degrees, even President's Day Monday. We are going to see cloudy skies and hold at 29 degrees. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist is going to paint us a little bit better picture on that weather for the weekend and then into next week, a possibility we could see some snow back around the states. You know, starting tomorrow, a lot of our Wisconsin FFA chapters are going to be kicking it in high gear. It's National FFA Week starting tomorrow, and boy, are they creative at what they're doing within their communities to draw attention to the blue and gold and also trying to get other students involved in the FFA. Aaron Zimmerman's got a really cute story on one event that's happening tomorrow with the Randolph Cambria Friesland FFA. Very creative way to get other students involved. That's up before we wrap her up today. And also, the uh, CEO of Compure Financial has announced that he's going to be retiring. Rod Hebrink made that announcement a little bit earlier this month. I'm talking with him this morning about some of the. Uh, dividends that are headed to Wisconsin farm families on our Compure Financial Conversation. You stick around, all right? There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Farm First Dairy Cooperative, serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. And from Equity Livestock Cooperative, marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community since 1922. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net, on Facebook and Twitter. Commodity prices, consumer perception of agriculture, politics, these are all heavy topics that our farmers deal with on a daily basis. And sometimes uh, we need a little pick-me-up. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And Jill, you talked to just the guy to do that, to the guy who lends words of encouragement and breaks down some of these tough situations for our farmers. Yes, I did, Stephanie. I had the, uh, this is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn. I had the opportunity to talk to Damian Mason of Damian Mason Enterprises. He's a keynote speaker. He's an author. He's a businessman. He's an ag and food promoter. And he's going to talk to us today about the challenges that farmers are facing. Tremendous challenges. Some of them are continuations from years and even decades prior. Some of them are going to be new or nuanced with uh, what we're coming out of with uh, pandemic supply chain, et cetera, et cetera. So today we're going to talk about the Asians of agriculture, uh, everything from population, immigration, education, confrontation, conservation, regulation, inflation, and a new concept that I've been uh, telling my people we're going to be seeing, and especially in food, reguflation, where rampant food prices and in overall economic inflation are going to also then 
uh, catch the groove of regulatory environment, which we've had a great deal more of, especially in the last uh, year of what's going on in Washington, D.C., and it's going to contribute to uh, an inflationary environment. I don't think it's going to be as bad as stagflation, the term we gave to the 19 early 80s, uh, late 70s, but I, I do see some uh, contributory causes there. So those are the Asians of agriculture we're talking about today. And then, of course, the most important Asian is why agriculture is important for our nation. So how are, the, how are farmers expected to prepare for all these Asians that you keep bringing up? Well, let's talk about one, for instance. You know, you got the regulatory environment and you got the inflation. Much of that was driven by supply chain. So they would say, okay, I hope to goodness you bought your inputs and the things that you need to produce food or milk or beef. I hope that you have everything uh, secured as best you can. Um, that's been easier said than done. Uh, so the one thing, of course, is be prepared. Secondly, we are going to we are in a heightened inflationary environment. So did you meet with your banker? If you haven't this winter, make sure that you schedule time with your banker, that you really pour over your your 2021 numbers and talk about the realities of what you're going to need in way of operating capital. So you're not caught with your pants down and saying, oh, holy crap, costs accelerated 30, 40, 20 percent. And I don't have the necessary operating money. Um, on a regulatory environment, I think the more you know, the better you can at least navigate that. Uh, on the population and immigration, there's some real uh, real uh, changes that are taking place that we've not ever really accepted or admitted in the business of agriculture um, in terms of the demographics. We're an older country. We are not growing in terms of our population growth. So the bigger adjustment isn't for this year necessarily. It's for the next 10 and 20 years when we're going to see some real changes to what our customer base looks like. Um, agriculture's entire uh, belief system and entire mode of success has been produced more because we've got more mouths to feed and the reality is some of those things are going to be changing and they're changing pretty quickly right now. We only saw about a one-tenth of one percent population growth rate last year. Uh, so this idea that we're always going to have uh, uh, more mouths to feed is really starkly changing quickly. The population is going to have a big effect on what the farmers are needing to be producing and providing for the food stocks and for even feeding the cattle that provide for the food stocks for the population. The, the, the Jill, the, the entire industry uh, complex has always been on uh, an, a concept of scarcity, that we don't have enough, that we don't have enough. we got to make more, we got to make more, we got to make more because there's going to be more people to feed. And the reality is that hasn't been true since at least the 1970s. You know, I, I remember uh, by the 80s, we had produced so much corn and soybeans that we had gluts of it. And we can talk about things like the wheat embargo between uh, us and China, Russia in 1980, and that's, that's when we started to have then the, the bad 80s. Well, was that really because of a wheat embargo? Was it because of the fact the world just really probably had ample supply, or at least the markets had ample supply? So our concept of scarcity has uh, uh, been with us for a while, even though it's not been the reality. You know, we created a program in the 1980s called Payment in Kind, where we paid farmers in corn to not plant corn. Uh, so we've had this surplus issue really going now for the last 40-some years uh, in places like the United States of America. Our surplus is our strength. You know, it's better to have more of something, especially food, than to not have enough. But as we move forward, our issues are not going to be uh, resolved by just making more food because we're going to have less and less need for it in terms of uh, the fact that so many other countries are making so much food. So we just got to, I'm here to challenge these people with a mindset change. Um, does it need to change uh, this minute? Well, okay, we, we know that uh, change is hard. But we got to look at our entire industry and realize that it's, these changes are actually have been coming and 
they're going to be more pronounced in the next five years than they were in the last 20. Steering a little bit away from doing the surplus and more and more and more into doing things a little more efficiently, is that well, we're already we're already we're, we're already tremendously efficient. We're more efficient than we've ever been. Uh, we make more calories with less resource inputs than we ever have in the ten thousand year history of agriculture. Uh, what will be the future? Future will be improving our distribution, uh, infrastructure changes, and also creating even more variety, which we already have more variety than we've ever had. But that's going to continue to be the the answer. And then we're going to uh, we're going to really probably analyze the resource aspect of it, even though we're already really good with the resources. We're in an environment of environmentalism. You know, these people in this room right here uh, and the entire industry, let's say, take milk, for instance. You know, you take three pinhead uh, uh, elected officials in Washington, D.C. that don't know anything about food production and scream about cow farts, and uh, that gets a lot of traction. So the the, the minions on Twitter that keep up with the, the imbeciles that we've put in the, the U.S. House of Representatives um, uh, might believe that. Now, the reality is we do have an agricultural, uh, we do, agriculture does have an environmental footprint, there's no question. I mean, we're talking about feeding 7.8 billion people. We're talking about doing something that's completely not natural. Uh, you know, humans would be hunters and gatherers by nature. So we do have an outsized environmental impact, but we also are better for the environment than we've ever been on a calories produced per, per calorie produced basis. So what will we do? We'll probably adhere to greater environmental uh, uh, regulations moving forward. I just hope that we do some of these things proactively versus it being, you know, carrot, not stick. The effects of climate and agricultural climate, can you fill me in a little bit more about your take on what's going to happen in the future? <laughs> yeah, well, that's obviously a political prediction. So it looks like all the tea leaves are telling me that we are in an environment where uh, these things become um, these things become movements, and it becomes that everybody just accepts it. There's a thing called vertical knowledge, where once it just becomes this thing, it's like everybody knows it. And, and don't think for a second that propaganda doesn't play into that. I just spoke a little bit ago about population. Every human listening to this right now has been told we're going to just keep having more and more people, more mouths to feed. My God, we're going to overpopulate because you've been told that your entire life. Mm -hmm. We're all going to starve. It is simply not true. It is simply not true. 182, I think, of the 193 or 195 nations on the planet had a fertility rate that would not even replace their own population last year. So that is completely something that you've been siloed and told your entire life and it's not true. Let's go with climate change. For about the last 25 years, certainly the last 20 years, we have been indoctrinated with this climate, 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 climate. You know, frankly, Al Gore, who claimed to invent the internet, didn't invent the internet, but he sure as hell did invent climate change. He's, he's really pushed this thing along. It has become a movement. It has become behind the scenes a tremendous amount of power and there's people are going to listen to this and say oh you're a right winger you're this i'm not anything oh you're a climate denier when you question political power and movement and money from a logical basis and they can't counter you with an economic or a logical argument then they shout names you're a climate denier okay mm -hmm. i i will not even get into whether or not the weather is changing oh the weather's not the climate okay well every time that a climate fanatic goes off because it just got a, a blizzard in tennessee it is weather but then they'll say that it's long-term climate well there's a long-term climate which would be hundreds and thousands of years versus what happened last week in tennessee but it's it's an amazing thing 
There's a tremendous amount of money to be made in the climate game. There's a tremendous amount of money to be made in selling batteries, in selling electric cars, in forcing people to switch. Electric rates right now in the United States of America are up six to eight percent on average. There are some areas, Jill, that are up in that 20 to 25 percent. Is this because we just don't have enough coal? Well, certainly not, because there's enough coal. And, you know, we have 400 years worth of coal in Wyoming alone. So it's not about that. It's a matter of political shifts. And behind every political shift, I think that one would do themselves a big favor by following the money. So what's agriculture's role in all this? Well, first off, we can be a solution. If we are really concerned about climatological changes, we have 360 to 380 million cropland acres in the United States, about 900 million acres that are total farmland grazing, most of them are grazing, about 350, 380 million that are cropland. Let's just say that we do three times as much carbon sequestration on those acres as we do right now. That's a lot of land grabbing a lot of carbon. You tell me what, what can grab more carbon out of the air, uh, an acre of somebody's lawn or an acre of crops. Well, I think crops, there are certain crops in particular that can do that. So agriculture can be a solution. The issue is, are we gonna be used as the target and the straw man, which is commonly what happens? Oh, bad agriculture, bad agriculture, cow farts, cow farts. Or are we gonna actually have any logical uh, response to this? Again, what it usually comes down to is not what's logical, because humans are not logical. They, fought, they tune into Twitter, Twitter and whatever someone tells them, then they get emotional about it and make it a climate denier or climate this, whatever. It's Instead of actually looking at the science and the logic behind it. Agriculture could profit from all this. The question is, is, is agriculture going to be allowed to make the money or is it going to be every other regulatory and uh, uh, recipient? You know, if we have to switch the grid to solar, if we have to, who wins there? Well, China makes like 80% of the world's solar panels, so they win pretty well. So is it really uh, good for the United States to do these things? And that was Damian Mason of Damian Mason Enterprises. And I'm Joe Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com Tom's Auto Center We're the getter, fix, getter, done To get you going, guys Off Highway 51 in McFarland A stone's throw from McDonald's We all know that agriculture is constantly changing. Be a part of the conversation. I'm moderating a program Wednesday, February 23rd at the Fox Valley Technical College in Appleton, just off Highway 41. Seeking a sustainable future, climate change and farming. We'll have the top speakers from across the state focused in on what agriculture can do to mitigate climate change. See the program and get registered today at wisbusiness.com. Just $20 for the program and lunch wisbusiness.com So I became a Farm Bureau member almost 20 years ago to be part of the state's largest egg advocacy group. Plenty of opportunities within Farm Bureau for somebody that's involved in agriculture, whether to grow their leadership or to help be a leader in an industry that we have a great passion for. WFBF.com They've really helped my leadership develop. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As we move into the cold winter months, you may notice drafts around your windows and doors. 
Now is the time to let Prairie Exteriors give you a full, free inspection and show you what new windows and doors can do for the health of your family and your home. Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors. Prairie Exteriors, now that's impressive. PrairieExteriors.com Sows, cows, plows. Heck, anything connected to farming's on the menu here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. On a finally Friday, a little chillier out there than it was yesterday at this time. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We also have details coming up tomorrow is the beginning of National FFA Week and some creative ways that FFA chapters are trying to engage with their community and other potential students. Stumach Ag Meteorologist along with us, who's a past state FFA officer, Man, I'm mad. I bet you can't even hardly remember when it was FFA week when you were doing chapter activities, huh? Uh, yeah, that was forever ago, wasn't it? Uh, <clears throat> I don't even remember. I mean, I'm sure, you know, when I was in FFA, I'm sure they did have FFA week. But, I, you know, aside from maybe wearing my jacket to school, that was about it. Do you remember anything in particular that you got involved in? Uh, I think we had a donut treat once, and I know we used to put together a little flyer to put in the local paper to highlight what we'd done over the last year. Yep, that sounds about right. And I think our advisor, yeah. my advisor, was Claude Klemke from Lowell, Wisconsin, originally. And I, I think he was the one that did most of the uh, insertion information, but I think I helped a little bit. And then I think there was always, sometimes you drove tractors to school, you know, did something that made you stick out, at least in the parking lot. Yeah, I think mostly we look forward to having donuts one morning. Yeah, <laughs> It's a donut kind of morning this morning, my boy. It is cold out there. It's cold out there, and it's going to get a whole lot more windy today. There's a wind advisory kicking off at 2 o'clock all across southern Wisconsin, ending at midnight in the west like Mauston and La Crosse, ending at 4 a.m. for everybody else. That's ahead of an Alberta clipper just on the northern edge of North Dakota. Some snow in northwest and central parts of Minnesota trying to push toward Wisconsin along with the winds. More clouds build in today and some snow, most likely not until later afternoon, evening. Some snow may last into the night. Just a little new dusting, that's about the most they'll be. And then we do get a little colder starting for the weekend, warming up on Sunday. Very windy right through. Pretty sun- windy yet on Sunday. And then maybe some measurable snow into early next week. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin winters are a polarizing experience. You either love them or you want to leave them. Be sure to enter the Rural Mutual Insurance Love It or Leave It sweepstakes, where each week you can win prizes by voting for the things you love and dread about winter. Visit us at RuralMutual.com to vote. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to DeKalb, constantly innovating products and technology to maximize crop protection, production, and yields. And from Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net on Facebook and Twitter. Alrighty, Stu, give me some of those details and tell me a little bit more about that snow possibility. I'm seriously thinking donuts. Our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update does call for our skies to become mostly cloudy. First in the west, later today in the east, and it will be breezy and not too bad. 
Some upper 20s, more likely low 30s almost everywhere with that snow developing. South winds increasing 12 to 25. They could gust near 40 or so. Cloudy, windy, snow ending in the night a half inch or so. If we see it, we drop to the single digits, maybe just below zero in the west. That uh, wind advisory from 2 this afternoon to midnight in the west, 4 a.m. in the east. I'd expect those northwest winds overnight to gust near 30 and 45. Mostly sunny Saturday, upper teens and around 20. Northwest winds become southwest, 5 to 15. Mostly sunny, breezy, warmer Sunday, upper 40s. Southwest winds gusting to 30 and 35 miles per hour. That's snow for Monday into Monday night, Pam. Right now, if I had to say, it'd probably be a 1 to 3-inch possibility. Ooh, donuts. You're right. Thanks, Stu. That's your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial, your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compure. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Some jewelry stores try to dazzle you with gigantic showrooms and tons of inventory, but honestly, you don't want to pay for the jewelry store. You want to pay for your custom piece. William Thomas Custom Jewelry is proud of their quaint location and modest reputation for keeping their overhead low and their prices affordable. Allow William Thomas Custom Jewelry to help you create that one-of-a-kind piece. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Wiseway Flooring's budget-friendly pricing beats the big box store every day. Wiseway stocks flooring by the pallet and the roll to get you better pricing. Our cash and carry discount saves you even more for a beautiful do-it-yourself floor. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our product pricing might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. What to do with three days off each week? A quick trip up north? Hit the bike trails around the Driftless? Or just lounge around binge-watching your favorite movies? When you work at Cardinal Glass in Mazamani, your career is world-class so you can live first-class. You work four days a week with three days off. Cardinal Glass in Mazamani is now hiring production associates and maintenance, competitive pay, advancement opportunities, medical, dental, vision, profit-sharing, and more. Apply today at cardinalglassmazo.com. Here's a story that'll warm you up. Late one Saturday night, it was 15 below, maybe even 40 below. In Wisconsin, things change fast. Frank Cook, McFarland's roadside tire doctor, got a call. He jumped out of bed, kissed his wife, and delivered a new tire to George. George was happy. George liked his new tire, too. These are the facts. McFarland's, one block south of Highway 12 at 780 Carolina Street in Sauk City. 200,000 square feet of problem solving, where service is a family tradition. a hood, windshield wipers, the doors look like car doors, open like them too, there's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel, 
99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. 80% of you have said you don't want to haggle over car prices. That's 80% of you who don't want to jump through hoops or play games. So Bergstrom Automotive got rid of it, all of it. The haggling, the cat and the mouse routine, even the salespeople. Bergstrom Automotive simply has non-commissioned advisors. They're not trying to win a contest or make quotas. They're paid to do nothing more than help you. Bergstrom knows they offer the most desired makes and models out there. Allow them to assist you in selecting the right one for you. Plus, guaranteed credit approval on a vehicle you choose to call your own. While the other places wheel and deal, today's buying experience? The better way is at Bergstrom Automotive. Visit a Bergstrom location near you or bergstromauto.com. Join the Bergstrom Auto Family. Rebath started decades ago by two gentlemen who created acrylic forms to cover existing bathtubs. Today, Rebath is a complete bath remodeling company. We replace existing fixtures and totally upgrade your bathroom. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. What needs to – is it as simple as this, extend Aaron Rodgers if the Packers indeed? Uh, what's the report? They want to make him the highest-paid player in the NFL, commit to him for multiple years, and then push a lot of his money down the road. Is this the likely scenario that's going to happen for the Green Bay Packers? Is mortgage the future more and more for Rodgers? And to get him, like, what, $45 million? You know, Evo, I, I, I know there are those reports out there. I, I, I'm still not buying them, but um... – you know, uh, as a hundred percent true or valid or any, anything like that. I just, you, you know, me and my feeling, on yeah. this. I, I, I think this football team is peaked. Um, I, I think continuing to push money down the road and kick the can down the road is only going to hurt you in the future. I, I don't see this group. If you try to bring back the overwhelming majority of pieces, uh, being a Super Bowl team, being a Super Bowl contender, they're still going to have to get rid of some key players, Evo, to to make this all work. I mean, they're they're gonna, you know, they're they're gonna have thirty percent, thirty five percent of their salary cap, whatever it turns out to be, Evo, tied up in a quarterback and a wide receiver. And unless that's you know Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, I, you know, you, you saw them go win a Super Bowl pretty much as a as a two man band drive down and win the game last Sunday. But but Adams and Rogers haven't done that, and 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 Evo, they're they're going to make it work somehow to, to bring back Rogers and and Adams. You're, you're going to wave goodbye to Zadarius Smith. You might wave goodbye to, to to Preston Smith. You might wave goodbye to Billy Turner, or Adrian Amos, or or some of these other pieces. The Evo, I I think this team going 39 and 10 the last three years, but just two and three in the playoffs, kind of showed you it, it, it it's not good enough to get over the hump. Um, Evo, I don't know 
how how they can make a jump being in the in in the financial situation they are that's 50 million dollars over the cap today the second worst cap situation in in all of football other than new orleans uh, of taking a jump now and, and passing the rams um of of trying to now you know pass teams like like the 49ers to to stay ahead potentially of of, of the cowboys and you know the cardinals and the Seahawks, who have $50 million of cap room to play with Evo, are a team, for example, that's going to be back in the hunt again next year. Evo, it still comes down to Aaron Rodgers and where he wants to be when when this is all said and done. And I'm not convinced it's Green Bay. I, he, he has said the right things and um, said, you know, said a lot of things, I think, that have gotten Packer fans excited about him maybe coming back. But but I don't know how you read it, Evo, at, at that award ceremony last Thursday night when he won the MVP I took that as a goodbye. I really did, where, where he kind of said he thanked a lot of people for, for so many of the memories. He, he thanked Matt LaFleur, and he said nice things about the front office, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I took that personally more as a goodbye than, than a hello, I'm coming back. But, again, Aaron Rodgers is always cryptic. He's going to always leave you guessing exactly what his intentions are. I just think, Evo, he has watched how things have worked out the last couple of years. For Tom Brady going from New England to Tampa, for Stafford going from the Rams, or I'm sorry, from Detroit to the Rams, and both of those guys winning Super Bowls, and he might see the grass as greener in a place like like Denver or Pittsburgh or Indianapolis or, or wherever it turns out to be, Evo. That that I, you know, at this point in time, we're all guessing, and Aaron Rodgers loves that because we're sitting here on the air, and everybody in every bar stool in this state is talking about Aaron Rodgers and what's next for Aaron Rodgers. And and, he, and, a, and a guy who's an egomaniac absolutely eats that up, and he loves it to death. Um, but Evo, I, 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 I'm still, you know, if, 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 if I've got a bet to play, I'm still putting it on Aaron Rodgers in a different uniform next year. So, Robbie, Evo and I were talking off air. Yes. And yes. The, the one question that we said, do you think that Rob has always disliked Aaron Rodgers or what? <laughs> yeah, we want to know. We want to pinpoint it. Yeah, because I have a, I kind of have a rough date in mind because I don't think you've always uh, disliked Rodgers. I, I got a, a pinpointed date. So I'm curious. Have you always disliked him? Well, I, I think dislike is very fair. He he and I have worked together on, you know, a couple of projects, a couple of books I've done, and it, it's been very cordial and, and very should, friendly. Robbie, trying to interrupt, I, I, but should I, be Pulitzer Prize-winning books. Should be Pulitzer Prize-winning here's what, I, here's what I will say to you, though, Nelly. From the second he walked into that locker room as, as a 21-year-old kid uh, who had been buried in the draft and, and came in to Green Bay, um, one of the first things I read, so this is, let's call it April or May of 05, when, you know, the, the, really we had our first interactions with him, sat with him for 20 minutes and talked and, you know, did, did you know, back then the locker room was wide open. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yes, we do. And I'll tell you what, that farm to fork message really resonates with a lot of our FFA chapters. Tomorrow's the beginning of National FFA Week across the countryside, and our Wisconsin chapters are geared up to have some fun draw some attention to their chapter activities, and get more folks involved. Aaron's got a really cute story on that coming up in just a moment. You stick around. Hey, by the way, I'm Pam Yankee. Really glad you're joining us on this finally Friday. Looks like weather-wise today will hold around 31 degrees, but a lot of clouds. Tomorrow, sunshine but cooler in 23. Sunday, 51 
under partly cloudy skies, if you can believe that, and then some snow coming our way as we start next week. So today is the 18th day of uh, February. Happy birthday to Abrams Native. Yep, he was right there in my hometown, Pee Wee King, Polka Prince, a classic song that he co-wrote, The Tennessee Waltz. He was born on this day back in 1914. I always got to get that one in every year. A couple notables as far as history was concerned. On this day in 1978, Hawaii hosted the very first Ironman Man Triathlon. And now those contests are happening all over the United States and internationally. They swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, and complete a marathon measuring 26.2 miles. That is the Ironman. Started in Hawaii on this day in 1978. On this day in 1954, the first Church of Scientology was established. Uh, It is a controversial organization, that is for sure, but it started on this day back in 1954. That being said, one of their very strong members of Scientology, John Travolta, he is 67 years old as of today, and Yoko Ono, John Lennon's, uh, wife. She is celebrating a birthday. She turns 88 today. And now you know. Well, like I said, tomorrow the weather hopefully will cooperate with uh, some of our FFA chapters that are getting creative as we kick off National FFA Week across the state. Aaron Zimmerman's got a conversation about how they're thinking outside the box when it comes to getting other students and other community members involved. Well, next week is National FFA Week, and some FFA chapters are actually already kicking things off here this weekend. And right now I'm here with Colton Alsum. He's president of the Randolph-Cambria Friesland FFA chapter. And Colton, you guys have an event, a an ice fishing tournament for your students. Tell me just a little bit about the event and uh, where the idea came from. The idea came from many kids in the Randolph-Cambria Friesland schools do a lot of ice fishing. And our FFA is trying to be involved with our community. And we figured it'd be a good way to get everyone involved together by having this FFA ice fishing tournament. Now, tell me a little bit about, I guess, you kind of said you use it as a kickoff to your FFA week, I guess, to get some people excited, get some enthusiasm going about about FFA week. So tell me a little bit about that and, I guess, how you use it kind of as a tool to get things started. So we did it to get everyone hyped up for FFA week. Over FFA week, we um, like focus on what the FFA does for you. We bring middle schoolers through the school to show them the greenhouse animal lab. We have dress-up days, you know, the Carhartt, Cowboy Day, Farmer Day, to really show what FFA is all about, what we do throughout the year, why we do it, all that. And I'm sure, you know, other than just being kind of a kickoff and get excited for FFA week, this ice fishing tournament, too, has kind of got to be a draw for some students to get involved in or, you know, even maybe get them interested in getting involved in more FFA things as well. Right. We get them out there. We'll have the teachers out there, kids out there, they'll see. Like the kids, if they get involved with the FA, the kids that they'll be with to hang out with, you know, their buddies, they can learn from the teachers as they're standing there waiting for the fish to bite, good stuff like that. Well, and obviously a lot of people in Wisconsin know how ice fishing works or have been ice fishing themselves, but let's talk a little bit about how you guys have made it into a tournament. Kind of tell us how it works and, you know, I guess what the goal of the event is. So we'll invite out family and friends in the community, and if they want to, let's say two buddies want to partner up, you know, they'll go out fishing 
will have like panfish, northern, musky, walleye, and then they'll just take pictures, measure it. We'll measure it, send it to the teacher, and then we'll go off of the biggest one, and then they can win gift cards from donations. And I know you mentioned, too, you're going to get involved with the community on this event, too. Talk a little bit about that as well. So, yeah, we've been putting it, like, around school on our Facebook, I think maybe website as well, to get the community out there, too, to see what the FFA is doing and how we are really involved with the kids. And we want to be involved in the community, too, getting even maybe some adults and their kids out here, too. So how long has your ice fishing tournament, I guess, been going on for? This is actually our first year doing it. We had the idea um, during an FFA meeting, and we decided to put it together this year to be our first year, and hopefully to do it for many more. Well, anything else that you'd like to add about the ice fishing tournament or what you guys have going on for FFA week, trying to you know get some members involved, those kind of things? Yeah, so the um, ice fishing tournament will be Friday, February 18th in the afternoon and Saturday, February 19th in the morning on Beaver Dam Lake. And families and friends or anyone is welcome to come out and see what it's all about. Definitely. Sounds like an awesome opportunity to get some FFA members excited about FFA week, get them out to have a little fun, and like you say, interact with the community as well. Again, I'm here with Colton Awesome. He's the president of the Randolph Cambria Friesland FFA chapter. They're planning their ice fishing tournament this weekend to kick off the National FFA Week. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Aaron Zimmerman. We all know that agriculture is constantly changing. Be a part of the conversation. I'm moderating a program Wednesday, February 23rd at the Fox Valley Technical College in Appleton, just off Highway 41. Seeking a sustainable future, climate change and farming. We'll have the top speakers from across the state focused in on what agriculture can do to mitigate climate change. See the program and get registered today at wisbusiness.com. Just $20 for the program and lunch wisbusiness.com. We are visiting with the CEO of Compure Financial in just a moment, Rod Hebrink. Uh, he has announced that he is going to retire after 37 years with Farm Credit at uh, the beginning of 2023. Rod Hebrink coming up. So markets this morning in Chicago, Dow Jones Industrial Average is up, but our commodities are a little mixed. Right now, March corn's down a penny with December new crop trading two cents lower at 594. March soybeans are up eight right now. November new crop up eight at 1486. The wheat for March down six currently. July new crop down six and a half at 793 a bushel. March milk is down two at 2233 a hundredweight. April milk currently trading 16 cents lower. 2270 100 weight. Our Wisconsin vegetable producers did a great job in 2021, brought in 58,000 plus acres of snap beans, nearly 7 million hundredweight of snap beans that were produced, more than 53,000 acres of sweet corn produced in Wisconsin, nearly 10 million hundredweight of that crop. We also had about 1.2 million hundredweight of green peas that were harvested from over 26,000 acres right here in the state of Wisconsin, keeping us number one as far as those processed vegetables are concerned. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hi, this is Dave Gary with the Princeton Clubs. Since 1987, my team and I have had a couple of goals. Make it really simple for everyone to get started with fitness and keep our world-class facilities available at affordable rates. Well, we've done just that. And over 35 years, I've learned one really important thing. It all starts with you. 
If you'll decide now is the time to get in shape, we'll help you get there. I promise. At the Princeton Clubs, there's no joining fee. We keep our clubs open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and include free childcare. Our world-class facilities offer almost everything possible and are meticulously cleaned and maintained. We provide an amazing environment to help motivate you, and more importantly, it allows you to feel comfortable while you're improving your health. Now, more than ever, taking care of our bodies, both physically and mentally, It's so important. Come see why we've been voted Madison's best and favorite health club year after year, the Princeton Club, for a better tomorrow. To activate a free trial pass, go to princetonclub.net. You know what makes car buying unpleasant? The pressure. The absolutely out-of-control, uncomfortable pressure. You know what causes that? Salespeople. Salespeople on a commission pushing you into a car they want to sell you. Bergstrom Automotive got rid of that. All of that. When you come into any Bergstrom Automotive location in Madison or Middleton, you're a guest. You'll be met by one of their advisors. Whether you pick the most expensive car on the lot or a discount used car, their advisors get paid the same. Bergstrom advisors know that the only thing they have to do is listen to you and help you find the right car. And if for some reason you don't find the perfect vehicle, they'll shake hands and hope you come back again. But pressure? No, never. The better way is at Bergstrom. Bergstromauto.com. Join the Bergstrom Auto Family. Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, we're starting to make our plans for the growing season of 2022, and a lot of times those plans and conversations involve our lenders. It's time to catch up with our friends from Compere Financial. They, of course, are located all across Wisconsin, in northern Illinois, as well as into Minnesota. And joining us today is their president, CEO. That's uh, Rod Hebrink. You know, Rod, every time I talk to you, I'm kind of curious. Uh, there's been a lot of winter conferences that focused in on the subject of the balance sheet for a lot of our farmers. Just give me a sense as we kind of make our way into the growing season of 2022. What are balance sheets looking like from your side of the desk? How are you feeling about things overall? Well, we're starting out 2022 probably in the strongest position for agriculture that we've been in over the last 10 years. And that, uh, while not every sector of agriculture is the same, that speaks largely to agriculture. Nationally, farm incomes in 2021 were at their highest level in the last decade, and that has a lot to do with improved commodity prices, improved dairy prices. So generally, we had uh, producers across the spectrum having very good, profitable years in 2021, and that's what strengthens the balance sheet and puts them in a great position going into 2022. I like that optimism very much. You know, speaking of optimism, people should feel good about the you know situation that their lenders are in as well. One of the reasons we're talking with Rod Hebrink today is because you've started to deliver some good news to a lot of people's mailboxes and uh, banking accounts. Tell us what's going on with our patronage. Well, this is always one of the, the fun times of the year when we begin to deliver uh, patronage to our clients. Of course, Compere is a cooperative, a financial cooperative. And so like other cooperatives, we return our earnings to our stockholders who are also our clients in the form of patronage. And we have two forms of patronage. We have allocated equities from prior years that are being returned, and that is $52 million that is going out to our clients in the month of February. Those were generally allocated prior to the formation of Compere in 2000, 
and 17. And then we've got the cash patronage, which is uh, from current year 2021 allocations. And that's another $150 million that'll be returned to our stockholders in cash in August of this year. Uh, so in total, over $200 million that we're returning to the to the customers and stockholders of Compeer. I think that people always have a question, Rod, about how in the world can my financial uh, partner have that kind of return? Because it's not just one year. That's, uh, that's kind of the way Compeer's been performing for the past couple of years. Explain the philosophy and what they should understand about those patronage dividends. Well, first of all, yeah, it is connected to the financial health of the organization. And just as though we started talking about uh, the balance sheets of our customers and for agriculture and agriculture having a profitable year, all of that contributes to the performance of, of Compeer as well. Uh, we're, we are very much a reflection of our clients. So when our clients do well, they're growing, they take out new loans, they're expanding, then we do well as also. And We've been growing significantly over the last few years, and Compeer is now approaching five years old from the merger that we had in 2017. And we had told stockholders at the time that we were looking for the synergies of bringing the organizations together, and that's exactly what has happened. There were tremendous benefits, as well as our ability to invest into new areas. And one of those benefits was a lot more diverse balance sheet. So it means that our, our portfolio isn't concentrated in a, into a sector of agriculture, so we can kind of weather the ups and downs of any particular part of agriculture much better. We don't have to retain as much capital on our, on our balance sheet, which means that we can return more of our earnings to our stockholders through patronage. And, and that's exactly what's happened. It's been a really great uh, result of the merger. And I think our stockholders have not only benefit, but have seen the results of the merger. Well, and that's another point to be made, Rod, is that this by no means weakens Compeer's position. It's really just a, a badge of honor that you've, like you said, been able to capitalize on those synergies and make wise investments in the marketplace. Well, yes. And, and you mentioned uh, the strength of, of Compeer and um, you know, we have a very strong balance sheet. The, the board establishes and our level of capital that we need to maintain and a, and a range of capital as a percentage of our assets. And we're actually somewhat above the, that range that the board has established. Uh, and that's because we anticipate additional growth in this coming year. But uh, the balance sheet is extraordinarily strong. The credit quality is as good as it gets. It really never gets any better than this. Uh, and all of that puts us in a position to not only continue to invest in agriculture, to meet the needs of our clients, but in addition, uh, to do what we're doing and returning earnings to our stockholders and patronage. Rod Hebrings along with us, President CEO of Compure Financial. We're talking about the patronage dividends that are on their way out to the members of that cooperative as of today. And Rod, you know, the other thing that I, I like to point out to people, because sometimes it's forgotten or overlooked, the philanthropic donations that Compure makes throughout the course of a calendar year, it might be supporting uh, local libraries, it might be supporting your firefighters, your EMTs. I mean, aside from that patronage and just the good operating business that Compure is, there's a lot of community engagement that comes along in that package. Well, you're absolutely right. We call it the Compure Fund for Rural America. And uh, the board has committed to to one uh, percent of our earnings going back into those corporate giving programs and they support a whole host of things from 
4-H and FFA groups to other youth and leadership activities to local fire and rescue departments or county fairs or food banks uh, or just other programs. Uh, com sometimes communities will look for us to grants to do for grants to do feasibility studies, something that they're exploring in their communities. And as we've come through COVID and all of the healthcare systems that have been stretched, we've made donations to various medical facilities along the way to help them continue to respond and meet the needs of rural citizens. And so it's the whole gamut of what do we need to do to support a quality of life in rural areas uh, that, that we serve and continue to serve and support agriculture as well. That's the focus of what we're doing in, with the Compere Fund for Rural America. You know, and I don't want people to take this for granted either, Rod. I mean, they have to understand you are part of the farm credit system, but not every area of the United States fares as well as Compeer's territory when it comes to this kind of healthy balance sheet. I mean, there there have been some regions that have really struggled. I'm sure that you must uh, kind of look at them and really uh, be grateful for where we're at. Well, you're correct that Agriculture can be is cyclical and can be affected differently in different parts of the country. For example, when you have hurricanes that come up from the Gulf and hit hit the southern states, yeah, those areas can be not only producers but the farm credit associations take a bigger impact from those those types of events. We've been fortunate that uh, over the last number of years that that uh, our portfolio has performed very well. Part of that is risk management going in and, and understanding the kinds of risks and where we can uh, make investments in the balance sheet. Uh, but also part of it is, is the fundamental performance of agriculture. But we feel very fortunate to, to be in the position that we're, we are uh, and to continue to serve agriculture and grow. And we see that clients responding to that as well as, as our portfolio grows and we add new clients to the mix as they see the benefits of being a, a part of Compere. Absolutely. Rod Hebrink, along with us, President, CEO of Compure Financial. Could you recap the numbers for me one more time, Rod? If people are just joining us, they may not have heard the big numbers that are headed their way if they're a member of Compure Financial through patronage dividends. Sure. We're, we're going to be, uh, in 2022, distributing $202 million in patronage to 32,000 different clients. There'll be $52 million of that that's distributed in February from prior year's allocations and, and uh, another $150 million that's distributed in cash in August from their business with Compere in 2021. Now, that is a great way to wake up, folks. Rod Hebring, President and CEO, Compure Financial, bringing you the good news, again, about the risk management that they have in place, about uh, that sense of community that you get when you're a part of a cooperative, which Compure Financial is. Want to find out more? Want to be involved? Want to make them your partner for 2022? You can do it today. Go to Compure.com to find a location.